All right, welcome back to Made Arbitration, and hopefully I'm going to make it through this episode. I have lost my religion today trying to get my laptop to work. Uh, I've done this, started this episode about 50 times, <laughs> so <laughs> y'all bear with me. Uh, hopefully I've got all my cuss words out. I won't use any of this, this episode. That'd be good. I know my neighbor's like, what in the crap is going on over there next door? <laughs> I have cussed my laptop to death. So anyway, hopefully we'll make it through this episode. Today I'm going to touch on the 12 and 60 hour rule. For some reason I'm getting a lot of messages about the 12 and 60 hour rule. So I'm going to cover it as best as I can. Uh, we'll have a, little, a few little twists and turns, some things that we can request uh, as far as the 12 and 60 hour rule to help us out. I've dealt with this in arbitration before. It was an interesting little arbitration, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about the 12 and 60 hour rule here in just a little bit, okay? Clear some things up. Uh, I told y'all a few episodes back that I expect complete mayhem from these uh, the scanner die, this new memo that came out. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to harp on this thing every week. I know that's going to turn some people off. You're like, good God, we get it. You don't like it. But... Uh, I just feel obligated that when I hear things, I'm going to share things. And that's just what I'm going to do. I hear from people from coast to coast how things are going in their station. So I'm going to alert everybody I can as far as what's coming down the pike, uh, trends that I see. Uh, they're starting to discipline people based off of this this scanner data. Uh, we're dealing with that already. And I had a few people send me some discipline. that They've had it rescinded, but... Uh, that's where management's going to start going. They're going to start trying to bully us and intimidate us into accepting these memos as gospel, as these standards, this stationary events. We're dealing with that a lot now, where management is starting to use the stationary events against us again. Uh, well, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. also had a gentleman that said he's attempting to educate his carriers as far as the things that I've been talking about, uh, how to protect our routes. And he had a couple of rat bastards, and that's what I'm going to call the carriers that went to management on him. I'm going to call them rat bastards because I think that's what they are. Any any letter carrier that goes to management on a, another letter carrier, to me, is a rat bastard. And uh, so hopefully they're listening. Uh, they can message me, and that way I can respond to them and call them rat bastards. Uh, because that's what I think you are when you snitch on your shop steward, especially if you're trying to help you. But they go to him and t go to management and tell them what this shop steward had done as far as trying to educate his people on how to protect their routes. And so management, in turn, is going to give him an investigative interview saying that he's attempting to call for a slowdown. Listen. Listen, listen to this. <laughs> this is the best way I can put it. Tell management to go to hell when you're in that meeting. After the investigative interview, while you're on union time, if you're on union time, I would tell them to go to hell. You're not going to intimidate me from doing my job as a shop steward and educating my people, period. You fight all the time. It's coming. I'm telling you it's coming. I've told you all several weeks back it's coming. It is coming. Management is going to attempt to abuse us with these new memos. It is coming. I promise you. 
if you don't have the stomach for it as a shop steward, and not everybody does. I've seen shop stewards that had no business being shop stewards. It's not for everybody. It just simply isn't. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, maybe it's your makeup that you, you know, you just wanted to get to, to be the shop steward, thought it'd be interesting, and now here all this shit's coming down the pike, and uh, you're just not equipped for that. That's fine. Don't do it. Step down. Because if you're going to get run over, you're hurting your people. But tell management to go to hell if they're going to call you in the office about calling for a slowdown because you're trying to educate your carriers. That is your obligation is to educate your carriers. You're obligated to do that to protect your carriers. Okay? So to this individual, I know you reached out to me. Let me know how that went. We talked a little bit about it. But when you attempt to educate your people, management will see that as a threat. That's the bottom line. They're going to see that as a threat because they're used to having it their way. They're used to managing it their way. And now here comes this shop steward that's going to start educating his people on how to protect their routes, and they will not be happy. (laughs) I'm telling you, they're not going to be happy. They will threaten you, threaten you with discipline, threaten you with removal. Uh, you're, You're trying to promote a slowdown, whatever. Be ready. Be ready. You fight. You fight and you keep fighting. You keep fighting regardless of the threats, regardless of everything else. You fight. Okay? They're not going to be able to discipline you if you're in there telling your carriers contractual provisions to follow to protect their routes. They're just not. I've had that happen to me numerous times, and JB can tell you when he does his next episode. I have had the district HR manager call my business agent saying that I was telling all the CCAs to walk out, which was completely made up. I've never, ever said that. But somehow it got back to her that I was telling all the CCAs in my installation to just walk out, that I'm calling for a walkout. Completely untrue. I've had other managers saying that I was calling for a slowdown. Uh, Completely untrue. They will do that to you when you attempt to educate your carriers. Just be ready for that, okay? Be ready for that. Again, listen to me. Listen. You fight. I'm going to say that every episode. You fight. With everything in you, you fight. You protect your people at all costs. All right. As long as you're telling them things contractual, as long as you're not gathering them up on the working floor, I'll always call mine out on break. Uh, when we all go on break, I'll call them out on all on break on the back dock, and I'll just tell them, "I got ten minutes to talk to them. This is what's going on. This is what we're going to do." All right. So with that, just be careful. Be careful. When you're educating your people, you're going to have people that don't like it, like these rat bastards that ran in there and told on them. Just just be careful. But educate your people. Do not ever stop educating your people. Uh, we've had discipline. Uh, starting to discipline off of stationary events, like I said. Uh, if you listen to my episode on uh, stationary events, nothing's changed. Make sure M document 1458 M document 1458 is all you're going to need. If they start coming in here with these stationary events saying that the union has agreed 
with these scanners that they can now use these scanners to track us and watch us because that's what the that's what the new memos are saying that they can track us and they can watch us that's that's what it's saying it's telling you that and i'm gonna read it to you in just a second but nothing has changed as far as m document 1458 we cannot be disciplined off of that scanner data based solely off of the scanner data Make sure we're requesting, if management attempts to discipline us, make sure we're requesting the 4584s that's done on that day, a 3999 done on that day, anything that we can prove that management was not out there looking at us. Okay, 1458, make sure we got that in our pocket, okay, so that when management comes in and attempts to discipline us, saying, hey, look, they've national level has agreed on these memos that they can watch us and that they can question us, that's only for these route adjustments. That is only for these route adjustments. It is not for anything disciplinary. But they've already started that. <laughs> I, I told you all a few weeks back, here comes mayhem. It's coming. <laughs> it's here. You know, they're already starting to discipline people off of these scanners, off of this, these memos. I've had a few people send them to me this week. Um, 3999s, 4584s, make sure you request those. Put in there M document 1458. That will beat that. It has nothing to do with these memos uh, as far as the route adjustments, okay? But that's where we're at. <laughs> I told y'all it's coming, man. I, I know these bastards. I know them. I've dealt with them too much. You can never give them anything, and they will not try to turn that around to abuse the letter carrier. I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to read this to you. And you tell me, if you're a shop steward and you come in from your route and this is sitting on your case ledge, all right? You come in off your route in the afternoon. You go over there putting all your stuff up. And here's this piece of paper sitting on your case ledge. And you read it. And you tell me, if you would, if you would uh, file a grievance on management as soon as you read this. I'm going to read this to you. Listen to this now. Automatically flagged events in DSR are any of the following events that go longer than the time parameters listed below. Loading time, 22 minutes. Unloading time, 7 minutes. Signature required scan, 3 minutes. Relay time. A minute 35. Delivered other scan. One minute. Miscellaneous other. Stationary. Seven minutes. Loading time starts when you swipe to street time and ends when you drive through the geofence. Unloading time starts when you drive through the geofence and ends when you swipe to PM office time. The following delivery segments are automatically flagged in DSR if they go longer than the time parameters listed below. Read that again. The following delivery segments are automatically flagged in DSR if they go longer than the time parameters listed below. Delivery type, business curb line, 32 seconds. Business other, 30 seconds. Business CBU centralized, 32 seconds. Residential other, 32 seconds. Residential curb line, 32 seconds. Residential CBU centralized, 30 seconds. Travel to and travel from times will be flagged 
If the time exceeds the Geographical Information System, GIS, by more than 10%. If you walked in in the afternoon and you saw that, where they're telling you, hey, look, if you go past these times, it's going to be flagged. If you go past these seconds, it's going to be flagged. If you walked in and that was sitting on your case, would you grieve that? You're damn right you'd grieve it. I'd grieve it. You're going to sit there and tell me that based off of scanner data, if I go over a certain amount of time, it's going to be flagged? In episode 11, I talked about defeating stationary events. And in that episode, these memos hadn't even come into to existence yet. But in that, in that episode, I said that the LOC will flag you. That's the exact language that I used. Will flag you if you sit for somewhere longer than 30 minutes. If you sit somewhere for a certain amount of time, it will flag you. And then LOC will send an email to your station saying, hey, look. Corey Walton's been sitting this somewhere for this amount of time. Go ask him why he was sitting there and what he was doing. That was the, the entire episode. I was talking about LOC. Sending emails out, flagging us for sitting somewhere for a period of time where they can come and question us. We have now signed that into existence with these new memos. We have signed that into existence with these new memos that they can now flag us and we will answer for that. Now, it's a joint process and I understand that and that's all well and good, but God dang it, LOC, Ops, have put their foot in our asses with these new memos. Everything that they've ever tried to do to us, we have agreed on with these new memos. It would behoove us to educate ourselves on how to defend ourselves. Ops has always told management, go out there and watch your carriers. Tell them they got 20 minutes to load. We fought that. You got five minutes PM office time. We fought that. LOC, flag these people. If they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, question them. Why are they stationary? Question them. All of these things have come into existence with these new memos. How did we let that happen? We have been on a battlefield at this local level fighting this bullshit here. Everything that LOC and Ops has ever tried to get in on us, we have fought and fought to keep it out. And I'll be damned. If I'm not looking at a dead gum memo that has let every bit of it in. Again, hey, there are people much smarter than me. <laughs> I know I keep saying that. That came up with this. And and hopefully it works out, man. I hope it works out for the letter carrier. I don't give two damn shits about management, what works out for them. I don't care about them at all. If they came in and fired every single one of them tomorrow it wouldn't make my heart beat one second faster. I don't care about them. The only people that I care about are the ones in light blue. That's it. That's it. I don't care about anything else. When we signed off on this, I don't know if we were thinking about the repercussions that were going to come with that. 
I've already got people contacting me. They're being disciplined for stationary events based off of this new memo. I told y'all it was coming. Mayhem is coming. That's fine. That's fine. I always love the, uh, that little saying about the devil says you can't handle the storm and you answer back, bitch, I am the storm. We are the storm, the shop stewards. We are the storm. Management is temporary in their abuse of us. They're going to abuse these memos. I promise you that. They've already started doing it. They're going to abuse these memos on us. We're going to be educated on how to beat that. We're going to, we're going to win this thing in the long run. But initially, initially, we're going to get some foots in our asses, okay? But we're going to educate ourselves on it. We're going to continue to educate ourselves on it. I will never stop educating us on these memos on how to protect our routes it is the ultimate let them eat cake. You ever heard that let them eat cake where the leaders are up there signing off on shit, patting ourselves on the back? Man, we have revolutionized route inspections. These scanners, uh, thank God we, we got this, this new technology. We've revolutionized route inspections. And the carriers are down here getting just throttled <laughs> because of it. Let them eat cake, man. We're going to be up here in our air-conditioned buildings, going out to eat with one another, dining with each other. And the poor bastards down there on the, on the workroom floor, man, let them eat cake. To me, that's what that memo says. Let them eat cake. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh, shit. I don't want to be this way. Naturally, I'm not this way. I just, I'm not, you know. Uh, but when I, when I hear my people, when they message me that they're being abused because of this, and I've got an outlet to tell y'all, I'm going to tell you. I'm telling you. I will use that for this. I will not use this for political purposes at all. I will never use this for political purposes. That's not what this is about. It's about to educate. But if my people are messaging me that they're being abused because of something we've done, y'all going to hear about it. <laughs> You're going to hear about it. They can remove me from every position that I've got. And that's fine. They cannot remove me from doing this podcast. Period. I will continue to do it. Like I said, I will never do anything political on here. If I agree with something, I'll tell you. If I don't, I'm going to tell you. All right? I've got a lot of people messaging me. All right? Uh, across this country. And uh, I, I'm just not going to stand by and let my people get abused. Ever. It's not going to happen. <laughs> We're going to deal with it one case at a time. One case at a time. All right. Where are we at? I'm not going to do this every week where I get on this. Uh, it's just uh, I've had things sent to me this week, people that are hurting, uh, and I'm not going to talk about it. 
I'm not going to talk about it. But they've reached out to me uh, through Messenger and through email about situations that's going on in their station because of these memos. I told you it was coming. It's here. It's on us. We're going to educate ourselves. But when I see my people hurting, I will be a different individual. <laughs> I'm not going to be happy and cheery Corey on here. I'm just not. It makes me angry. It makes me very angry that my people are hurting because of two signatures. Anyway, it'll work out, right? It's got to. It's got to work out. But we will be the storm, I assure you. We're going to educate ourselves. Management will not. They're always going to just listen to what their leaders tell them to do, and they will do it. We've got the 8190, which is the single greatest thing that we have in our favor during all of this, is the 8190. I had that one episode. I went on about a 10-minute tirade about what the 8190 is. It's the single greatest thing we have going for us right now is the 8190. Use it and use it often during this time. To this individual that they're calling you in there trying to intimidate you, saying that you're calling for a slowdown because you're attempting to educate your carriers, everything that is available to you, I would use it. And I'm talking about labor charge, and I'm not one of those that's big on labor charges. I'm not. A lot of people would ask me what I thought think about labor charges. They, they have a use. I'm not one of these that's going to file one on every single thing. On that, they would get one. You're going to try to intimidate me from educating my carriers. As long as it's something that's contractual that I'm telling my carriers and management comes at me, I will file a harassment grievance on you. I'll file an Article 2 grievance on you. I will file a labor charge on you. I will file everything humanly possible on you if you attempt to intimidate me or keep me from doing my job as a shop steward. And that's what that is, is intimidation. Be ready for that during this period of time, intimidation. And I'm not trying to scare you all at all. I love this shit. I love this fight. I will fight with y'all as long as you want to fight. I will be there by your side as long as you want to fight. If it's just me and you, damn it, I'll give you everything humanly possible to defend yourself. You keep messaging me, and y'all are, and we're fighting. I will stand by your side and fight the fight. I promise you that. Do not be scared of, <laughs> of what I'm saying. I'm just telling you what's coming. Don't be intimidated by management. They're nobodies. They mean nothing. They're wisps of air is all they are. They're temporary. Their voice is temporary. The 8190, remember that. It's our biggest fan during this time. Okay? That's all I'm going to say. Dadgummit. <laughs> I told myself before I started, don't do this. I can't help myself. I don't know what it is. Anyway, how about 12 and 60 hour rules? Let's talk about some things because that's a, a lot of that's going on right now, especially with the staffing shortage that we have. I had an individual the other day message me and they said, if I work past 12 hours, can I just leave? Can I bring the mail back and leave if management tells me to work past 12 hours? And I just simply sent back no. I'm going to read all of the language on 12 and 60 hour rules, all of the language. Let's be clear on this. Don't ever, 
ever bring mail back if you've not been allowed to do so. Unless management has told you, you can. Do not ever on your own bring mail back and leave it. Ever. Okay? <laughs> Y'all get that? Do not ever bring mail back if management has not told you to do so. When you do bring it back, fill out a curtail slip on what you have brought back and sign it. Get management to sign it. That is your protection. Okay? Management will lie on you if they get caught with mail in the station. It has happened. I've dealt with this in my installation way back when, when I was formal step A. Uh, they fired this carrier because they brought mail back and left it on their ledge. When the carrier called me, they said, hey, they just put me off the clock. Uh, so what happened? Well, I brought mail back and left it on the ledge. Like, well, what'd you do that for? My supervisor told me to. I said, your supervisor told you to bring mail back. Yeah. Yeah, they called me and told me to bring the mail back. It was a certain time of night. So this carrier brings it back, puts it on the ledge. They did not get any documentation, no curtail slip, no nothing. By the grace of God, a clerk heard the supervisor on the phone telling the carrier to bring the mail back. And I was able to get a statement from that clerk. And, uh, and obviously we won. But the supervisor, what happened was a Function 4 team came in. A Function 4 team came in the next morning, and here's this mail on the ledge. Asked the supervisor, what's this mail doing here? I don't know. I didn't see that. Let me look at it. Well, my gosh, that's deliverable mail. Yeah. How'd it get there? I don't know. Who had this route? Well, let me look. Carrier so-and-so had it. Well, let's talk to him. Why'd you bring this mail back? Supervisor told me to. Supervisor, did you tell him to do that? I didn't tell him to do that. I would never tell anybody to bring mail back. When I tell you that they're lying bastards, they will lie over everything. Everything. Like I said, by the grace of God himself, there was a clerk that heard this conversation on the phone and wrote me a statement. And we were able to get this carrier back. Do not ever bring mail back and leave it. Unless you've been told to do so, get a curtail slip, make sure it's signed by you and by the supervisor that protects you, okay? But 12 and 60 hour rules, that doesn't mean anything as far as delivering, okay? If management gives you 16 hours of work, just because you go over 12 hours does not mean your day stops. You got to deliver and then we grieve it, okay? Let's read the language, and then we're going to talk about some things. Just think outside the box, okay? On page 819, page 819, it talks about maximum hours, 60-hour limit, all right? Maximum hours, 60-hour limit. National Arbitrator Mittenthal ruled, in the case there, fourth issue, June 19, 1986, in that C number 6238, C number 6238, that the 12- and 60-hour limits are absolutes. Now, that's where we get caught up on. The 12- and 60-hour limits are absolutes. That does not mean that management cannot work you past 12 and 60 hours, okay? Now, we grieve every time they do it, 
and it tells us what we're going to get. But just because National Arbitrator Mittenthal said that it's absolutes does not mean that our day ends on 12 hours or 60 hours, all right? A full-time employee may neither volunteer nor be required to work beyond those limits. Again, listen to me. If it happens, we grieve it, but it can happen. It can happen. Management can give us work past 12 and 60 hours, okay? But it says a full-time employee may neither volunteer nor be required to work beyond those limits. Limitations regarding part-time employees are governed by the ELM section 432.32. And I'll read that in just a second, okay? Governed by ELM section 432.32. The 12 and 60-hour limitations are inclusive of all hours, including any type of leave taken, consistent with the 20-hour overtime limit. See CM859 below. So what does that mean? Any type of leave taken. Any type of leave, we're, we're paid, right? We're in a paid status. So that will go towards the 12 and 60 hour limitations. That would morally go towards the 60 hour because we'd be on leave. We wouldn't have to worry about 12 hour. But uh, that, would, that would fall in line with the 60 hour limit. Any type of leave because we're in a paid status. Accordingly, holiday leave pay is credited toward the 12 and 60 hour limitation. Additionally, if an employee works on a holiday for which holiday leave is paid, those hours worked in excess of the holiday leave hours paid would also count towards the 12 and 60 hour limit. And that's M1180. M1180. Okay. And it talks about in case number there, third issue, September 11th, 1987, C number 7323, C number 7232, C number 7323. Arbitrator Mittenthal ruled that an employee sent home in the middle of a scheduled day because of the bar against employees working more than 60 hours in a service week is entitled to be paid for the remainder of his or her scheduled day. That happens a lot. And that question comes up a lot. What if 11 o'clock in the morning on a Friday, I reach my 60 hour limit? Can management just send me home? Well, they can send you home, but you're going to get paid for that entire day. Why? Because we've got an eight-hour guarantee, right? If you bring me in, I've got an eight-hour guarantee, and that trumps everything. It says here, an employee sent home in the middle of a scheduled day because of the bar against employees working more than 60 hours in a service week is entitled to be paid for the remainder of his or her scheduled day. Okay? So make sure... If it's Friday, and man says, hey, look, you're running into your 60 hours at noon, so you're going to have to go on home. Okay, that's fine. I'll go home. Make sure the next day you check them clock rings. Make sure you get paid for a full eight hours, okay? That's C-7323. C-7323. That's National Arbitrator Mittenthal. Goes on. On October 19th, 1988, the National Party signed the following Memorandum of Understanding, and this is huge. It's M. 859 M859 and it's going to and it's going to have it for you right here on page 819. This is M859. The parties agree that with the exception of December, full-time employees are prohibited from working more than 12 hours in a single work day or 60 hours within a service week. 
Now, here's the most important language for everybody. In those limited instances where this provision is or has been violated and a timely grievance filed, full-time employees will be compensated at an additional premium of 50% of the base hourly straight time rate for those hours worked beyond the 12 or 60 hour limitation. I'm going to read that again. In those limited instances. So when it says in those limited instances, what does limited mean? It means few or small. In those few instances or in those small instances where this provision is or has been violated and a timely grievance filed, full-time employees will be compensated at an additional premium of 50% of the base hourly straight time rate for those hours worked beyond 12 or 60-hour limitation. That's a double-edged sword. Okay, and I'm going I'm to show you a site here where you, you won't believe this, this site, but I did it as an advocate, and uh, it was a double-edged sword for me. Um, but it is the only thing that will tell you what a penalty is, what the payment of a penalty is in the contract. It will tell you what the payment is for that penalty. If you work me over 12 or 60, there's a 50% premium, right? You're going to pay me a 50% premium for that violation. It's the only one in the, in the contract that gives you a, a, a payment. It's a 50% premium. The employment of this remedy shall not be construed as an agreement by the parties that the employer may exceed 12 or 60 hour limitation with impunity. All right? That's critical. That's critical. The employment of this remedy shall not be construed as an agreement by the parties that the employer may exceed the 12 and 60 hour limitation with impunity. This is where we're going to get management with this with this these sites I have for you. In some instances, the 12 and 60 hour limit are constantly violated and management will pay that 50% premium. And and it continues to happen over and over and over again. I know that there are stations up north where they're out till 9, 10 o'clock at night on the regular. I know there are places in this country where they're out 9 to 10 hours on the regular, out till 9 or 10 o'clock on the regular. They're, they're working 13, 14-hour days on the regular. They're filing these grievances, these 12 and 60-hour grievances, on the regular. I know that for a fact. It has become egregious. What can we do? We just keep filing grievances. Arbitrators won't give us more than the 50% premium because that's that's a set payment. We try to get more because of a non-compliance, it's the 50% premium because most arbitrators won't touch that. They say, hey, look, it's a 50% premium. That's the only time. If management wanted to do something other than that or the parties wanted to do something other than that payment, they should have left that out of there. Management will always say, hey, look, you can't, you can't compensate them more than a 50% premium. Both parties have agreed to that payment. And it's a very difficult sell in arbitration. We're going to get to that in just a second. As a means of facilitating the foregoing, the parties agree that excluding December, once a full-time employee reaches 20 hours of overtime within a service week, the employee is no longer available for any additional overtime work. 
Furthermore, the employee's tour of duty shall be terminated once he or she reaches the 60th hour of work. In accordance with Arbitrator Menthol's National Level Arbitration Award on this issue dated September 11, 1987. National Arbitrator Snow held, in that case there, November 30, 1988, at C-18926, that the Memorandum of Understanding above, the 859, which talks about the 50% premium, provides the exclusive remedy for violations of the 12- and 60-hour work limits in Article 85G2. Did y'all hear that? That the Memorandum of Understanding, 859, the 50% premium that I was talking about, provides the exclusive remedy for violation of the 12- and 60-hour work limits in Article 85G2. That's what management will use against us every case. If we try to escalate that remedy because of noncompliance, management will come in there and say, hey, it's already, that, that memo has already provided the exclusive remedy. It's 50%. Exclusive means you can't do anything other than that. It's a 50% premium. It's been 100 cases. Doesn't matter. It says right here, that's the exclusive remedy for the violation of 12 and 60. We say, hey, it's noncompliance now. We've got 100 of cease and desist. Doesn't matter. It's the exclusive remedy. 50% premium. And arbitrators will buy that. Okay? So what do we do? What do we do on 12 and 60 hour violations when they become egregious, excessive? And, and arbitrators have said, hey, look, 50% premium is all you're going to get. I know that some installations, you probably have gotten your B-team decisions that said they're going to they're get the 50% premium plus something else. That does happen. And I would, I would just continue to try to escalate that remedy. I would, I, I would not attempt to take that to arbitration. I'm going to tell you why in just a second. It's mind-boggling what we lost. But um, make sure that we're filing. Every time a carrier works over 12 hours or 60 hours, make sure that we're filing and get, and they get these case files built properly as far as an escalated monetary award if we can get that. If we cannot, if arbitrators have already ruled, hey, it's, it's the exclusive remedy. 50% premium is the exclusive remedy on that. We, we can't go any higher. If that's the case, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple of options here. All right? I had a case in Gadsden, Alabama. And this was back in 2013. And it was based off the 12 and 60 hour rule. Now, I would put this team up down there in Gadsden, Alabama against anybody in the country. They got some of the sharpest individuals for the union uh, that I that I know, and, and I know a lot, this team here, I'd put them up against anybody. But on this case, <laughs> on this one case, uh, it had gotten so bad that they were getting, listen to this now, $3.25 a click over the 12 and 60 hour. You work over 12, 12 hours a day, you're getting $3.25 a click. So they were making, what we were requesting, was $425 an hour. They'd been going on so long. Now, they got carriers working until 11 o'clock at night there at the time, Gaston. They were working until 11 o'clock at night on the regular. 
They're constantly filing these grievances. They'd gotten them to where they were paying them $3.25 a click. Now think about that. $3.25 a click. And then we wanted it escalated to $4.25 a click based off of the egregiousness. We were going to make $425 an hour based off of management violating the 12 and 60 hour rule. Now, I knew that if we took this in front of an arbitrator, he would say that that's an improper payment. Even though the B team had already been paying it, even though they had already gotten this by the B team numerous occasions, I knew that if we took this in front of an arbitrator, he would disallow that, but he would stop that payment in its tracks because of the 50% premium. I begged them not to go to arbitration. I begged them. I said, look, we're not in a good position here. Just keep making that 325 a click. Y'all's people are rich. <laughs> They're rich. They wanted to test the waters. Let's go for 425. So I started looking at sites. I needed to find something, an alternative to give the arbitrator because I knew what was going to happen. He's going to say a 50% premium is all we're going to get. And I knew that because National Arbitrator Snow said that that was the exclusive remedy. And National Arbitrators trump everybody else. And so I started looking and I found a site from California. It was an alternative. Y'all listen to this now. Especially if you're having issues with 12 and 60, if it's become egregious, listen to this. It was from arbitrator Levac. It was back in 2005. Manny Peralta did it for us. Of course, he's the head of safety now. Manny Peralta did it for us. It was from Thomas Levac. And they had this same occurrence where they were constantly working carriers past the 12 and 60 hour limit. Remember that language I read to you where it says in those limited instances? Remember that? Where it said in those limited instances? Well, when you continue to do it, it's not limited. It's no longer limited. It's no longer limited instance, a few instances. When you continue to do it, it's become egregious. And management will say what? There's an exclusive remedy. Even if it goes over being limited. Even if it's over being limited. National Arbitrator Snow said that that's the exclusive remedy. You can't do anything to us. The, the remedy is a 50% premium. Even if we have violated this egregiously, National Arbitrator Snow said the exclusive remedy is 50% premium. There's nothing you can do to us now. Here's Arbitrator Levac. This is his, this is his conclusion. And, I'll, and Jeremy's going to put this one up for you on promadearbitration.com. Okay. He'll put this up for you. And it's C25902. 25902. This is Arbitrator Levac. 25902. And this is his conclusion. The arbitrator concludes that the union failed to establish that, in this case, the arbitrator has the authority to render an award directing a monetary remedy over and above the 50% premium established for cases of this nature by the 1998 MOU, 
the Snow Award, and the 2005 settlement. Accordingly, the grievance will be denied in part. However, the union did establish grounds for the rendition of a non-monetary remedy concerning the obligation of upland management and the rights of upland carriers. Accordingly, the grievance will be sustained in part. The following is the arbitrator's rationale. The arbitrator has spent some considerable time analyzing the exhibit submitted at the arbitration hearing. Binder's unrebutted and unrefuted testimony and the arbitration decision submitted the week following the arbitration hearing and can only conclude that the Postal Service position on monetary remedy is well taken. There is no dispute but that the 1998 MOU, the Snow Award, and the 2005 settlement together would bar the requested monetary relief had this case involved FTRs. The arbitrator believes that he has no choice but to apply the 1998 MOU, the Snow Award, and the 2005 settlement to PTFs. Quite simply, the arbitrator is of the opinion that a regional arbitrator should always attempt to craft an award that best falls in line with the general intent of national awards. With national-level memoranda and with the parties' settlements, rather than attempt to seek ways to craft an inopposite award that relies upon fine distinctions. Accordingly, the arbitrator must conclude that the monetary award sought by the union would indeed constitute an arbitrator-directed entitlement for lower-ranked employees that an arbitrator is barred from awarding to higher-ranked employees and would therefore implicitly conflict not only with the mutual intent of the parties as expressed at the national level, as well as the 2005 settlement, but also with the spirit of those writings. On the other side of the coin, there certainly is nothing in the 1998 MOU, the Snow Award, or the 2005 settlement that infringes upon the arbitrator's inherent authority to direct a non-monetary remedy aimed at correcting a repetitive, continuing, and therefore egregious violation of the National Agreement and the incorporated ELM. The arbitrator specifically finds that upland management violation of the ELM was egregious and is therefore deserving of such non-monetary relief. He, he tells you, <laughs> I'm going to flip this coin on you. There's two sides to this coin. One's a monetary. I can't do anything with that. It's a 50% premium. The other, let's flip that coin over to a non-monetary award. I can do that. It doesn't say anything about that in the agreement. Any of these memos, the, any of these national decisions, it doesn't say anything about a non-monetary award. It just says simply a 50% premium, which is a monetary award. When management says an undue enrichment, he just took that out of their argument. He took that argument away from them when he issued this decision. When he says the arbitrator specifically finds that upland management's violation of the ELM was egregious and is therefore deserving of such non-monetary relief. The relief that would be awarded by this arbitrator is set forth in the following award. The grievance is denied in part and sustained in part. The monetary compensation compensatory time remedy sought by the union is denied. He denied us that additional the, the over the 50% premium. Upland management shall immediately cease and assist from any further violations of the national agreement via Article 19 and ELM 432.32. And I'll read that in just a second. 
In addition, Upland Management shall not, in any non-Article Three emergency situation, order or otherwise direct any PTF to work in excess of the ELM 432.32 12-consecutive-hour limit. Any Upland PTF who is ordered or otherwise directed to work in excess of the 12-consecutive-hour limit shall have the right to refuse that order or directive without following the work-then-grieve rule. And no Upland PTF who refuses such an order or directive shall be disciplined or otherwise deprived of any right or benefit conferred by the national agreement. Did y'all hear that? This arbitrator has just told the carriers that they can tell management what to do. This arbitrator has flipped Article 3 on management with this decision. He has just told PTFs, if they tell you that you're going to work past 12 hours, you're going to tell them, no, you're not. If they give you work past 12 hours, you can leave that work and say, adios, see you later, (laughs) see y'all tomorrow. I'm clocking out at 12 hours, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. That's what this arbitrator has just said. You don't have to follow the work now, grieve later. If they tell you to work past 12, you clock out at, at 12, in 12 hours, you're clocking out and going home. There's nothing management can do. They have forfeited that right to do anything to you because of the egregious nature in which they have ruled these 12 and 60 hour limitations on y'all. There's nothing they can do. Nothing. Then he goes on. Further, in the event that following Upland management receipt of this opinion and award any Upland PTF who, for any reason other than a bona fide Article 3 emergency situation, does in fact work in excess of the ELM 432.32, the 12 consecutive hour limit, shall not be required to grieve to obtain additional compensation. The Postal Service shall automatically add the additional 50% of the base hourly straight time rate for all hours exceeding 12 consecutive hours to the PTS next paycheck. (laughs) What about that decision? In other words, hey, I'm a PTF. I don't mind working past 12 hours. You can give me 16 hours. You know what? I don't even have to grieve for that four additional hours of 50% premium. I don't even have to grieve that. It's automatically put into my check. The union's just taken out of the equation unless they don't do it. So if I work past 12 hours, it will automatically go into my check that additional 50% premium. Levac just kicked management's ass right there. If you don't want to do the work, go home in 12. Nothing they can do to you. If you do want to do the work, the check's already going to to show the 50% premium. It's already going to add that on there for you. How about that? So I found this award, and I bring it to arbitration because I know what's fixing to happen to me. The arbitrator's not going to grant me $425 an hour when Snow said 50% premium. We didn't ask for this, but when you always put down at the bottom of your remedy or whatever the DRT or arbitrator deems appropriate, this allows me to do what I did here in Gadsden. When you say, I want all these things, and lastly, whatever the DRT or B-team or arbitrator deems appropriate, when you do that, you allow the the advocate to say, hey, look, if you don't like this, how about this right here? 
Here's another option for you. If you didn't like what we requested right there, or whatever you deem appropriate comes into play, what about this right here? And that's what I did. I told the arbitrator, is arbitrator Lawrence Roberts. I said, look, if you don't agree with the, the union's remedy, how about this right here from arbitrator Levac? You know, why don't we entertain this? And this is what he said. It's in C30957. C30957. And uh, he talks about the language. On page 7, he goes over a few things I think will be interesting for you. The union contends the monetary award in this case should be extended to the next level, that of some $4.25 per, per tick. The union relies upon the August 29, 2002, Step 4 settlement labeled M1485, which states that the parties agree that Step B teams have the authority to formulate a remedy when resolving disputes after finding a violation of the national agreement, including cases where part-time flexibles were required to work beyond the 12-hour limit established in Part 432.32 of the Employee and Labor Relations Manual. And he talks about 432. He said, and the Employee and Labor Relations Manual, Section 432.32, that's going to be part of your contention, your issue, and your contentions and remedy, okay? Employee and Labor Relations Manual, Section 432.32, states that except as designated in labor agreements for bargaining union employees, or in the emergency situations as determined by the Postmaster General. Now, let me stop there. If management tells you that due to staffing, it, there was an emergency situation, they cannot say that. The only thing, I would ask for the directive from the Postmaster General, which allowed them to do that. Okay? If management at the informal or formal contends we were short-staffed, it became an emergency situation. Ask them... For the directive from the Postmaster General. Ask him to get that for you. The Postmaster General is the only one who can determine what an emergency is, okay? Again, or in emergency situations as determined by the Postmaster General or designee. So we're going to ask for that directive. What was the emergency? Because they're not going to have it. So don't let management at the informal and formal say, hey, we were so short-staffed that it became an emergency situation. They can't do that. Only the postmaster general or designee can do it. It says employees may not be required to work more than 12 hours in one service day. In addition, the total hours of daily service, including scheduled work hours, overtime, and mealtime, may not be extended over a period longer than 12 consecutive hours. Postmasters and exempt employees are excluded from these provisions. So that's ELM 432.32. I know you've, you've heard it a lot by me talking about it, but that's what that is, okay? And then he goes on, and he has some other great language in there. He's got Carlton, National Arbitrator Carlton Snow's case in there and talks about it, the one I talked about. And then he goes on to state this. On, this is on page 11. This is where he shoots me down as far as the, the escalated monetary award, the clicks. He says, again, the Snow decision, as discussed above, is controlling in the instant case. That premium rate cannot be changed, regardless of any union argument. That 50% premium is what he's hit me with right here. <laughs> I know I'm losing it right here. While I fully understand the merit of the union argument, the language of the agreement and its accompanying precedent restrict the authority of the undersigned. 
I understand there exists literally a plethora of prior written settlements by and between the parties involving issues that could be described as res judicata. In fact, that is very much part and parcel to the union's very argument in this instant case. However, even though there exists many written agreements by and between the parties herein, it simply fails to make any of their prior settlements valid moving forward. He shot down every one of our prior agreements on that escalated monetary reward. Every one of them just got shot down. That was what I was begging them not to go to hearing for. Every one of them got shot down. For the fact of the matter is, any settlement exceeding the premium rules set forth in the national agreement cannot be considered as a valid past practice. So when I went in there, I said, look, you cannot disturb a B-team decision. It sets precedent. These, all of these decisions have set precedent in this installation. You cannot disturb those. Both parties have agreed that there's going to be a $3.25 click award against management. They're going to pay $3.25 a click over the 12 and 60 because it's been violated so many times. You cannot disturb that because it, they've set precedent now. You would have to go back and say that every one of those was wrong. <laughs> and so he did. <laughs> he said that every one of them was wrong. Doggone it. But uh, we knew that was coming when he said, for the fact of the matter is, any settlement exceeding the premium rules set forth in the national agreement cannot be considered as a valid past practice. <laughs> so he just patted me on my head. He said, I, I feel for you, young man, <laughs> but you're wrong. While I cannot change any of those prior settlements, there is a limited authority for the undersigned regarding the movement forward regarding this issue. It is clear to me this is an ongoing issue at this Gadsden facility. And based on prior settlements, even though the previously mentioned 50% rule has been exceeded on more than one occasion, makes it clear that a monetary settlement will not eliminate this continuing violation of the party's agreement. And in that regard, I agree with the reasoning set forth by arbitrator Thomas Levack. When I saw that, I knew he, he, he bought it. He, he bit that worm on the hook, uh, and, and I was relieved. Now, I know that the carriers and the branch were furious because they lost a shitload of money on this. They were making $3.25 a click. They lost every bit of that. I know that they were upset, and I felt for them. I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming, but he talked about what arbitrator Levac said. And then he said this, and I certainly agree to that other side of the coin remedy suggested by arbitrator Levac. This arbitrator's authority is clearly limited to monetarily and sustaining the union's requested remedy in this case. However, based on past settlements, it is quite clear that even escalating settlements have failed to deter this ongoing issue at this Gaston facility. A full-time regular, based on the unambiguous language of Article 85G2, may be assigned to, excluding December, no more than 12 hours of work in a day and no more than 60 hours of work in a service week. And according to Article 84E, excluding December, part-time flexible employees will receive penalty overtime pay for all work in excess of 10 hours in a service day or 56 hours in a service week. The same holds true for transitional employees. So this is back when he had TEs. 
And with that language, it is clear the chief negotiators clearly set limits on the time to be worked by those respective classifications. And based on that language, my award in this case will reflect the insight of arbitrator Levac and a non-monetary award structure to provide a final resolution to an ongoing issue. That's beautiful, right? I think I cried when I read that. Not really, but I, it was beautiful. When he says, a non-monetary award structure to provide a final resolution to an ongoing issue. The remedy is quite simple. Should any bargaining unit employee choose not to work beyond those contractually mandated time limits, it becomes their personal right not to do so, albeit that of immediate direct refusal without any management repercussion whatsoever. <laughs> the only exception to this order is under emergency situations as determined by the Postmaster General or designee. That language, extracted from the Employee and Labor Relations Manual, Section 432.32, is the only exception to this order. The union did make it clear, via the plethora of prior settlements, which even though penalty overtime was escalated at the local level in excess of that 50% bargain for standard, management was not deterred from forcing letter carriers to continually work beyond the lengths of times afforded by the party's agreement. And it's clear that management's actions were clearly to the detriment of certain bargaining unit employees. This award will now allow those bargaining unit employees to exercise that bargain for right to refuse overtime requirements that did not fall within the confines of the party's agreement without any management repercussion. This is not meant by any means to deter any bargaining unit employee from working beyond the time limits mentioned above. But any such overtime work, unless designated by the Postmaster General or designee as being an emergency, shall be at the sole option of the bargaining unit employee. And any bargaining unit employee shall maintain the exclusive right to immediately refuse any work which exceeds these parameters, which include penalty overtime as described in Article 8 for the respective classifications. And then with that being said, any time worked in excess of that mentioned above will be at the sole discretion and option of the employee. Furthermore, all Gaston letter carriers shall be duly informed of this decision, each verbally, and this decision shall be posted on a bulletin board at this facility for a period of not less than 60 days. So he stated, if they give you work past 12 hours, refuse to do it, and there's nothing they can do. No repercussions whatsoever. They tell you to work past 60, I'm not doing it, and there's no repercussions. They these two decisions completely flipped Article 3 on management because of the egregious nature of, of violating 12 and 60. That's an option for you, folks. That's an option for you. Just be careful. Like I said, when they had these $3.25 per click, that's an improper payment. It just is. So, so be careful. Weigh that when, you, when, you're, when you're trying to take something to arbitration. Weigh those things that you could lose that. But if you're in an installation, a station, where they're constantly violating 12 and 60, and they're paying a the 50% premium, there's nothing you can get them to do to stop, Arbitrator Lieback and Arbitrator Roberts have just told management at 12 hours the carrier can leave. Whatever he's got left will be left at the station. He can refuse work past 12 hours. She can refuse work past 60 hours. And there's not a damn thing you can do about it except wave at them when they leave. 
Okay. Two great decisions. If we're dealing with 12 and 60 in your installation, if you've got a lot of settlements and they're just not stopping, if you've got carriers that are working past eight, nine, 10 o'clock on the regular, use these decisions, protect your people. This is a non-monetary award. Okay. When they say, Hey, that premium is 50%. It's an exclusive remedy. That's a monetary award. How about non-monetary? What can we do there? There's two decisions right there that'll help you. At 12 hours, I'm gone, baby. I'll see you tomorrow. At 60 hours, I'm out. And there's not a damn thing you're going to do about it. Okay? Two great decisions. So I hope that's helped you a little bit on 12 and 60. I've had a lot of people talk about that. Uh, JB went on vacation yesterday, so he wasn't going to be able to be here. Um, and he's not going to do one next Sunday. I'm going to do that CCA, uh, the um, rural city. Uh, I've had a lot of people reach out about that. I know there's one individual that asked me a long time ago to do it. Uh, and I've had a lot of people, when I talked about it, message me and say, hey, you know, what can we do there? Um, so uh, I think we need to start fighting for our territory. All right. I've been in stations before that have 60 rural routes and 10 city. Something's not right there. That's a lot of stations I see. We'll be about 60% uh, or 70% rural, about 30% city. We need to get our, our territory, especially these new memos. Uh, hey, I'm sorry about all that at the beginning of this episode. I'm not trying to scare anybody. Don't quit being a shop steward you know, because of me. I'm just trying to tell you what's coming. Okay, I'm trying to forewarn you. I said there'll be mayhem. It didn't last a week. I said they're going to try to make new standards. They're already trying to do that. Okay? I'm here for you. I'm not against you. I'm here for you to help you. Uh, I will always be here for you. I will fight side by side with you until the end of time if, if you need me to. I will help as much as I can. But I'm just trying to get, educate our people, uh, especially smaller stations. A lot, of, a lot of stewards in smaller stations are reaching out to me. A lot. Uh, so I'm going to do everything I can to help you, to educate you, okay? Do not be scared. Do not be intimidated by anything management says. If they say they're going to fire you because you're educating your people, say, hey, while you're writing up that removal, sign this labor charge here while I'm filing on that ass, and we're going to get these 8190s going on uh, harassment and intimidation, uh, uh, creating a hostile working environment, a joint statement, Anything I can think of, I'm going to put it on that manager's desk. Okay? If you're educating your people, there's not an arbitrator in the land that's going to say you're calling for a slowdown. If you can say, hey, look, here, I was telling them this right here. This M document says they can put it in neutral and put it in park. I was telling them that. Now, how's that calling for a slowdown? It's contractual. I was telling them to do their 27-point vehicle inspection. How is that telling them to do a slowdown? It's contractual. All these things that I've been telling you, this knock and drop, I'm telling them to deliver the parcel this way. It's contractual. I'm telling them to do it this way. It's contractual. No arbitrator in the land is going to side with management if you're saying, look, everything I've told my carriers to do is contractual. Okay? Do not be intimidated by these sorry-ass bastards. You fight. I've said that 50 times in this episode. But you keep fighting. If nobody in your station will stand with you, I will. And we'll fight together. I'm not there, but damn it, I can send you whatever you need. I can write contentions for you. I don't care. I don't care. I will fight with you. 
We're going to win this fight against these sorry bastards. I promise you, we're going to win this fight in spite of ourselves. In spite of ourselves. Okay? We're down here on the ground, ground level. Right? We're not going to be kicked in the ass by nobody. Nobody will put their foot in our ass at any time ever. If you've got sorry rat bastards as carriers in your station, they're going to management. Man. I'm not going to say anything else. Look, <laughs> hey, I love y'all. I do. You're my people. You're my people. And we're going to fight. We're going to keep fighting. All right? Uh, I promise you. I will never let you down, and I will never abandon you. I said that in one of my very first episodes. I will never abandon you. Uh, hey, look, if you've reached out to me and I've not gotten back to you within a day, reach back out to me. I've got about four different things going right now with Discord, with uh, Titan email, with my email, and with Messenger. I've got about four of them, and I've got things coming in constantly. Uh, I know specifically one guy asked for a brief I cannot find your email. Email me back, please. Okay? But if I if you've reached out to me and I've not gotten back with you in a day or given you what you needed within a day, reach back out to me. Listen, you do not bother me. I promise you, you are not bothering me. But but sometimes things are going so fast, I'll lose an email or, or forget one. Uh, but if you've reached out to me and I've not gotten back to you within a day, please reach back out to me. Especially that one individual about the brief. I cannot find your email to send this to you. All right? So, hey, we're in it together, man. We're in it together. We're going to have a damn good time at it, man. Uh, we're going to have a damn good time. Uh, nothing better than, than getting in that mud and that muck and everything and battling. All right? Those, those up there at that level, let them do what they want to do. But down here, we're going to be educated. We're going to be professional, okay? We're going to be educated. We will not back down. We will never back up at any time ever. We will not do that. NALC does not do that, okay? Other crafts, they want to do that. Let them do that. But we will never back up. We will never back down. Remember that when you're on that workroom floor and management is trying to bully you, you laugh at them. Give them the side smile, okay? <laughs> they mean nothing. They're wisps of air, okay? So remember that. Remember that. Um, next week, I'm going to do that rural city. Uh, it hopefully, it won't take too long. It'll be pretty in-depth, but hopefully, it won't take too long. i got to go out of town. And then the next week, I'm going to try to get JB in here to do that uh, – the uh, CCA is doing rural work, okay? So y'all have a fantastic week. Take care of yourselves. Shop stewards, take care of your CCAs in this heat. Make sure that they're hydrated. Make sure they got coolers and they're bringing things to keep hydrated. Y'all be safe out there. Be safe. It's the most important thing. None of this other stuff matters. Your safety is, is premium. <laughs> your safety is most important, okay? Take care of yourselves. Take breaks as needed in this heat. CCAs, if you're listening... Take breaks as needed in this heat. Bring your coolers. Put plenty of drinks in there. Stay hydrated, okay? Uh, I don't need my people out there to come into this heat. Um, but y'all have a fantastic week. I love y'all. I do. And I'll talk to y'all next Sunday, all right? <laughs> all right. Y'all take care now, okay? Bye-bye.